Hey everybody, this is Alex. Hey, it's Natasha. And we are here to talk just for a second about Extra Crunch, TechCrunch's subscription product. Extra Crunch is where a lot of our best analysis and follow-up stories lives. We focus a lot on startups, building, and even poke fun here and there. It's true. I also write a daily column called The Exchange that's over on Extra Crunch. And the good news is, if you don't have EC access yet, we have a deal for you. Yes, you can use, I think, the best code there is. So don't tell anyone who doesn't listen to Equity because they're not invited. The code is Equity, all caps, for 50% off your Extra Crunch subscription. So head over to techcrunch.com slash subscribe. Use that code. Make us look good internally. We say thanks across the internet. And now let's do a show. Hello and welcome back to Equity. This is a extra show. This happens whenever there's just too much going on and we don't want to not bring you an enormous chunk of related thematic news. And today we are talking about e-commerce. Happily, I am not alone. That would be quite dull. I have Danny Crichton here as well. Danny, it's been minutes since I've spoken to you. How are you doing? It's been minutes since we've spoken, but literally days between listeners hearing us. Yeah, they're the lucky ones. We also have Natasha Moscarinas here. Natasha, how are you doing? Good. I get to make my pasta water joke two weeks in a row. Equity pasta water. I forget the origins of that joke. Didn't we have like a food delivery show so at some point? Th- we made a pasta watering joke. Is that what triggered this? This is considered equity leftovers and I consider it oh, equity right, pasta right. water. You yes. add it back into the week and it livens up the entire week. And that's the new tagline. Let's dive into e-commerce because I think obviously with coronavirus in the last year, e-com has just taken off like a storm. And one of the reasons we have an entire show is because literally there were so many funding rounds. I think collectively we have about a billion dollars placed in e-commerce that were announced just in the last week. We're actually going to start with the least e-commerce-y of startups we're going to cover, which was Webflow. Alex, you covered the story. What's going on over there? Yes, we have a couple of themes today. Webflow is a little bit to one side, but what we have is a lot of checkout technology and a lot of companies that are working to overall improve the funnel in e-commerce. Because if we think broadly, one thing that e-commerce hates is friction. And so a lot of companies are taking an axe to friction in the e-commerce process from different perspectives both to helping consumers uh, check out more quickly, more easily, and also on the provider side, working on things like fraud protection and so forth. So we'll get into all of that. But to kick off, Webflow is a no-code web design company. And I spoke to the company because they just raised $140 million at a $2.1 billion valuation. This is the second time that Excel has led a round for them. Excel, the firm, sometimes goes into companies that have bootstrapped for a period of time and then sticks large amounts of money into them because it thinks they're good businesses. It did this with Qualtrics over a couple of rounds. And here we are with Webflow. The short gist here, guys, is that as everyone needed to go online last year, the demand for this sort of product went up and Webflow was ready to take in all the SMB money. And so I think we're seeing kind of a broad swell of demand for no-code services, bringing no-code from joke to market player to even, I would say, kind of accepted market participant uh, in a way that it wasn't before. That's kind of what's going on. Webflow is big. It's doing well. And now it has a ton of money. I would highlight something really important with Webflow, which is with these website development tools, we've seen this with Squarespace, Wix, there's a bunch of these in these broader categories. I think what Webflow has done better than most is the integrations. You can really do a lot with just point and click WYSIWYG tools online. So you can actually run e-commerce, which is, I think, one of the larger categories for Webflow. But you don't have to do e-commerce. You can also do everything from your no-code project management design to running a nonprofit to keeping your restaurant up to date. They just have created like one of the best tools I've seen in this category, clearly doing super well. But then you get over to checkout.com, also bootstrapped which I didn't know about until I read about it even more this morning. So Natasha, give us a little bit of the story over there. Checkout.com, when it raised its Series A, it was one of the biggest Series A rounds ever for a European company. 
230 million at a $2 billion valuation. Ooh. A year later, it added 150 million at a 5.5 billion valuation. And then this week, we hear that checkout.com has raised 450 million at a $15 billion valuation, which is a story of bootstrapping, a story of e commerce. It's an insane trajectory. But to catch you up on what the business is doing, it's kind of building this one stop shop for payments from transactions to detecting fraud to processing all the good bits. A spicy part of the checkout.com story is that it only works with enterprise clients. So while Stripe might have a million clients, Checkout.com only has 1,500. And the CEO is cheeky about how he knows all their names and that enterprise level of, <laughs> I know I see the rolled eyes, but I think it's a smart way to go about it. And answered one of my questions, which is how many companies in this space can win? Checkout.com is saying, we'll be the enterprise. First of all, it did bootstrap and it bootstrapped for seven years. So it was founded in 2012, took its first round of venture capital in 2019. Obviously a huge series A, but you know, seven years into the company's journey. What I thought was very interesting was one, it tripled payment processing in 2020 because of the COVID pandemic. Obviously, a lot of folks are moving online. Everyone's shopping and checking out. So it did it extremely well and it EBITDA positive. And one of the things that was really interesting early on in the company's design was it actually grew its employee count literally as revenues came in. So as it was able to pay for new employees, it just hired when it had the money to do so. So it remains EBITDA profitable today, which we never really see in this market. But, you know, accepting that, I think the interesting part here, obviously, is checkout is one of the most contested competitive parts of e-commerce, obviously. So you don't just have checkout.com. We saw Bolt. Really briefly on Bolt, they added $75 million to their Series C. They called it a Series C1, bringing the round, I think it was to $125 million. There's a lot of jokes we made there, but we're keeping it short, so I'm going to move us along. What matters is Bolt is doing similar-ish things. It is providing a checkout solution. It's providing customer accounts. It's providing fraud protection. We've also seen bits of this come out from a company called Fast, which I'm sure you've seen on Twitter because their team is very, very loud. That's not a diss, just a fact. And so I think we're seeing a number of players raise a lot of money and see a lot of early traction with Checkout. Natasha's point about how big is the space rings true in my head. But as we all know, the e-commerce TAM expanded last year. So maybe there's more room for more slices from a larger pie. Before we head into Rapid, I want to give one last note on Checkout Technology is that you don't see any of these companies simply playing in that lane. They're not just showing up when you're checking out and with your online card, that might be their way in. But because there's such an incremental way to make money, if you just show up during the checkout, you see these companies going into things like fraud protection. It's not a lack of focus. It's more so they need that to have a sustainable business. One of the most important things, if you're not familiar with the e-commerce space, is checkout is really, really complicated. There are so many moving parts. You have payments. You have different customers with all kinds of different payment methods. And obviously, not only with the credit cards, but you also have Apple Pay, Google Pay all kinds of other options overseas. You have to deal with all the different laws around tax and you have to deal with all kinds of things around shipping and that changes based on each country. You have to deal with fraud and fraud's a huge issue. And if you reduce your fraud rates, even by like one or 2%, you can massively change the profitability of these businesses. And then you have conversions, actually getting people to go and put stuff into the cart, get through the cart and do that as fast as possible. And again, I think a lot of these companies prioritize in their marketing and the way they argue is that they are more competitive on all those different factors. And given how tight, you know, uh, razor thin margin some of these e-commerce players are, a couple of points value out of the checkout can be the entire business. That could be your entire profit margin. All these companies are attacking a whole set of problems. Those problems are super complicated. But this is not even the entire list. There's another company that does fintech as a service data via an API called Rapid, R-A-P-Y-D, that just put together $300 million on a $2.5 billion valuation. How do they fit into that puzzle that you just drew for us? Right. So, I mean, obviously, Checkout.com, Fast, Bolt, they're all in the checkout space, which also includes some parts of fintech stack, which includes payments and fraud. Rapid is purely in the fintech world. And so they're focused on everything from payments, bank services, fraud protection, and more. They call it a fintech as a service. 
They now serve 5,000 businesses. And the news this week was that they raised $300 million at a $2.5 billion valuation. According to the CEO, and Alex, I believe you're the one who interviewed him, it was an opportunistic raise. And that's what I've heard a lot from, from a lot of people. Actually, it was Ingrid who wrote this one for our team, but I've heard that from so many folks. We didn't need the capital. We went ahead and took it anyways because, well, uh, we can hire more aggressively. We can make longer term bets. They don't have to be short term revenue accretive. It's a signal to potential customers that we're not going to go away, that we're not going to become acquired. I mean, so for a lot of these companies, VCs are just saying, please, Lord, take this money. And they're like, you know, okay. I want to make fun of that, actually, because I feel like who at this point is not going to say that was an opportunistic raise? Who's going to say this was a defensive raise? We needed it or else we would have fallen apart as a company, right? Opportunistic raise is like the new oversubscribed fund. How much does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I do think the point that people were saying is, is they didn't need it. And it provides a lot of uh, insurance. And I believe in Rapid's case, one of the things that I was reading the article that Ingrid wrote is that they're expanding to a lot of other markets. And so in certain markets, in order to be a regulated fintech company, you have to have money on the board. And you can't actually bootstrap at a certain point, like at a certain scale in certain markets in certain jurisdictions, you actually have to have cash on the balance sheet to actually have enough payment flow in your account. You have to prove that you're going to have two billion just parked there. And so for a lot of these companies fundraising, they don't even have a choice. They kind of have to just do it. But I also point out, in addition to Rapid, there's a bunch of other companies in this space as well. So Germany-based Mambu, which is M-A-M-B-U, raised $135 million at a $2 billion valuation, and that was last year. And then we also have Thought Machine, Temenos, Idira. But to me, fintech as a service is a massive market similar to checkout. It's highly strategic. Everyone wants to do this. And there's definitely some winners emerging from that market today. I love the broader look at the market because there's so many players. And this is the struggle in our job because there's three of us and 68 billion companies, and it's hard to keep them all in line. But just back to Natasha's point about is this kind of a PR thing or whatever, Vlad, the CEO of Webflow, I spoke to him about this round and he called the new capital Courage Capital, the capital to go out there and to be bold. And look, we can giggle, but I mean, like, you know, I didn't raise 140 million, so I'm not going to be too rude about it. Fair and enough. I wouldn't bring it up, but I happen to know Arun from Excel, who was the lead for this round again. And so I emailed him and I'm like, Arun, why did you do this? You know, just a standard email to a VC asking a couple of questions. And he repeated the Courage Capital line, if I recall correctly. So you can tell they discussed this and talked about the media strategy and had the wording in place. So I think there is definitely some PR around this. But the reason why I'm less cynical about the opportunistic round is that a lot of these companies that we're talking about do have a history of bootstrapping and therefore don't have the same burn rates as a lot of what we might call traditional 2018 series A and B companies. And so they just have a different financial profile. And that's why people want to give them tons of money because they're so efficient. You put that money in the company now, you lock in a per share price. And then as the company keeps kicking butt, you just make a lot of money because VCs do all the hard work, as we know. I think that's exactly right. But talking about courage capital, let's talk about some series A's where there's actual courage when there's not actual proof in the pudding, so to speak. So Natasha, you're looking at a company called TradeDwell, which is in the e-commerce optimization space. The company is an e-commerce optimization startup, which basically means it's going to deliver on six components of the e-commerce business and help businesses improve their net margins. Some of the components are marketing, retail, inventory, lifetime value, and financials. It's also adding some automation in there. The news this week is that they raised $15.5 million in Series A funding led by SignalFire. Full disclosure includes RTC to VC Josh Constein. And it also has Construct Capital, Allen & Company, and the Emerson Group. So this company launched in October and has now raised a really healthy Series A round, which doesn't come as a surprise. But I think it shows that the explosion isn't just going to be making the bigger companies bigger. It's trickling down to early stage. A really brief point before I throw it over to Danny. We're seeing a lot of this lately. I just want to highlight it. Companies that are raising successive rounds from the same VC, 
Just keep in mind that back in like 1998 and 2004, that was considered a negative signal that you couldn't go find a new lead investor. Then your business maybe wasn't that very good, so you had to do an inside round. These days, this is a sign of strength because VCs are doubling down into their investments more quickly to try to push more capital into them to lock in, again, a lower per share price. So the fact that SignalFire led the seed NDA probably means it's doing very well. Of course, we're reading between the lines here, but that's just a little data point for you. Over to Denny. The CEO of Tradeswell or Tradeswell, Paul Palmieri, was formerly the CEO of Millennial Media. And uh, Millennial Media, A, sold to our parent company years ago, one of the formerly named parent companies. But Millennial Media was back, I believe, by Chris Farmer, who is now the runner of SignalFire. So I think he has a long-term relationship with him. Got it. And clearly, e-commerce optimization is super popular. But I want to move on to another company in the infrastructure space, Nacell, which raised an 18 million Series A led by Inovia, but also including Accomplice Index Ventures and a bunch of others. And what Nacell does is that they are a headless platform. So if you're familiar with Contentful in the CMS space, headless means that you're not integrating the back end to the front end in one single package. You're actually separating the two so that developers can work on the front end separately from the infrastructure that runs it. Nacelle is doing that for e-commerce. So think of like your storefront could be independent from the inventory management system, the logistics of payments, et cetera. Um, it allows more flexibility, particularly in this market where there are a lot of consultancy shops that go into retailers to help them build out their programs. So Nacelle is trying to get into that market. They had raised a 4.8 million seed in mid-2020, so obviously growing super rapidly, taking that COVID bump probably quite well, raising a nice Series A round. I'm Alex. I'm with Natasha and Danny Crichton, two of my faves, and we are back on Monday morning and a lot more throughout the next couple of weeks because there's going to be lots of IPOs, big rounds. It's going to be a really busy Q1. So thanks for sticking with us. Danny? It's definitely not going to be a milk toast episode for sure next week. All right, we're done. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>